Guardian, we've picked up a high-gain transmission. Origin point is somewhere along the coast, near the Cosmodrome. What is up, Guardians? This is Cosmodrome Radio, broadcasting live all the way from here to Neomuna for a special occasion. We are going to be uh, talking about some great stuff with it when it comes to Destiny 2 and everything about it, like we do every week. Except for last week, because there wasn't really a whole lot to talk about. And then, on top of this episode, we're probably going to have to do another episode, because Bungie just dropped the new twid on us. Not the twab anymore, the twid. And said, you know what? Here's some more stuff to talk about. And and we're gonna we're gonna have another um like another rousing round of uh Dave and Panda arguing about why Stompies needed to be nerfed, but it's fine. Oh, we'll talk about yeah. that later um, on a different episode. That's not this one. <laughs> um, my, uh, don't forget that you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, and Audible. All those great places. Um, the fact that literally when I go redeem my Audible token every month, this show is next to all my books is really weird. I don't understand why Amazon has it in Audible too, but it's fine. It's weird, but it's fine. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Cosmodrome Radio. And if for some reason you just cannot find us on like any of these apps, you can go to CosmodromeRadio.com and you will see the links there as well. And in conjunction with this episode, we are releasing our Pride shirt, our broadcast with Pride shirt design made by Georgia Knight, an amazing artist that teamed up with us to have our mascot, Craig the Drag, on it, as well as every queer character that is in the Destiny universe all on one shirt. I know some, like, like we had a little bit of a, pre, a pre-sale in the Discord. Dave spent over $100 like a hooligan, and we love him for that. You gotta spend that money. Spend it. <laughs> and, like, like, we are, like, we are super excited about this design, and it's gonna be insane. And it just, this is a really dope Pride episode. We got some dope stuff going on. Um, my name is Panda the Paladin. To my left, we have the... The the warlock disguised as a hunter this season because for some reason he's trying to change his stripes and we don't understand why. We have Alchemy. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. All right, excellent. Um, we have the man with the money bags and the true hunter in the room. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Spending that money. So we gotta <laughs> you gotta invest in the people you actually support. Spend some money. Look, hey, we need it. I'm poor. So, (laughs) hey. He says. All right. And then across from me, we have not, like, for once, we, like, uh, she is not alone as as not not the only MB in the room. This is going to be for a special occasion. Tower, I know you're, like, chattering with excitement. How are you? (laughs) Apparently she's not at her mic. I'm so excited. No, I'm on my mic. What? Okay, you sounded like we were far away for a second. I was like, what? Oh, no, no. I am here. I am good. I am excited. And I am super, super excited. All right. <laughs> this is going to be a dope occasion, folks. Be- like, because not only did this already was a special episode for me being a Hades fan, but this got even better when we, like, we-, we wanted to tie it into Destiny as well. Um, the voice actor who put just like so much soul and so much energy into this character, then like it, like they were very slept on by the community, 
And there was even some negativity for no reason because this character was amazing. And you see them come up and have this amazing journey to discover themselves and be better about themselves as the story goes on. They face loss and have to go through that and find their purpose through the adversity. And it was such an amazing journey to watch over the course of Lightfall. With with, with the few failings of Lightfall that there were, this story meant a lot to a lot of people. And I am so privileged. We are all so privileged to have Marin Miller here with us. How are you? Hello. Is I who it is is the privileged one, in fact, to be here with you guardians. Um, but yeah, really glad to to be here and uh say hello to everybody and talk about Hades and Destiny. Hell yes. Oh. So like like, like it just it... Where, where, where was that, Deva? I thought you were about to like say something else. But say like it just so much hype behind this. We've been like hyping this up, and I'm just oh, this is great. Okay, so one thing we always like touch on is the experience of the origin story. And like while we don't know if you are a guardian in another life, but like Mm -hmm. what what made like what made you want to pursue the, the the art of using your voice in a larger medium format. Oh boy. Uh well, <clears throat> so my origin story, uh I'd say I kind of became aware of acting when DVDs started becoming a thing when I was around 9 or 10 and um the first DVD that I really watched uh that had like behind the scenes footage on it that wasn't Star Wars, you know, was um Patch Adams. It was a Robin Williams movie and there's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not great like i watched it again as an adult and it's not the best but you know we love robin williams and there's a scene in that movie where he swims in a pool of spaghetti with an old woman because that's like <laughs> something that's on her bucket list and uh the, i was like oh my god an adult got paid to do that jobs are amazing i want one so um I started pursuing acting because of that. I still have not fulfilled that particular duty or desire, I should say. But um, when I was uh, probably around, I started auditioning for things when I was uh, 11 or 12. And um, I am kind of one of those people who, my mom is six foot three, I'm six foot. Uh, I kind of just popped out of her womb as a giant. Um, And so I've never really looked like other people uh in my age or gender category hence the non-binariness mm-hmm. um and so that was not something that was very marketable uh at that age because um i was 14 but i looked kind of like a weird 16 17 year old and when you are also a kid you're more expensive to hire so anyway i started getting into anime uh, and I started emailing voice actors because I was like, well, I can't, I may not be able to act to physically be in a pool of spaghetti, but I can voice act being in a pool of spaghetti with an old lady. And it might not get paid me as much, but I can still get paid. <laughs> so um, I started uh, bothering anime voice actors. And then from there, I started, um, I was born outside of LA in the desert. Uh, where there's like no paved roads. So uh, I would drive, you know, two hours to auditions and then uh, drive home and cry <laughs> when, when inevitably nothing happened. But uh, 
Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the way it started. And I, I actually, my the first thing I ended up booking was the Full Metal Alchemist movie. Um, the first one, The Conqueror of Shambhala, um, because I was in an AOL Instant Messenger chat room and talked to the director there. And then from there, I um, talked to LA Studios and started, you know, being like, hey, I can do this voice acting thing. And they were like, all right, well... Let's give it a shot, and uh, that you know that was about seventeen years ago, and here I am. <laughs> oh wow! Wow, that is phenomenal. Um, like like you've come definitely a long way. Um, I, like ironically enough, um, Hades wasn't the first thing I ever uh, like like heard you in. It was actually Cannon Busters because um oh, yeah. back when back when that first came out, I interviewed the cast like like uh, the, um the main cast of Cannon Busters. Um, for my old Black Nerd podcast, so Ooh. it's kind of a weird connection that we've bridged a little bit there. Yeah, um, it, like that show. Still, I'm so sad that it did not get another season because that anime was groundbreaking in so many different ways. And when it comes to diversity, like that was a big stepping stone for me trying to like like educate and fight for more. And yeah. when it comes to like like to your like experience, I know trying to find certain roles has to be very challenging. What is it like being able to do like very masculine, but then step into the role like of Hades, where you're doing sort of more stoic and feminine like like voices like that? Well, Hades was interesting because um, I actually booked that like before. That was around the time that I was really starting to be like, I think I might be queer. <laughs> <laughs> like I I already knew I was bisexual. I had sniffed that out. Um, or yeah, I guess I'm pansexual. I say bi because that was the only word I had at the time. But really, I just enjoy having sex with anybody. Um, you know, consent involved and stuff. Right. I'm gonna get off this topic. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyway, um, the gender thing was a secondary thing to me because I thought it wasn't like negotiable. So, um, silly me. Uh, the so at the time i actually was really in my head about being a woman <laughs> um because uh it felt like there were so many rules involved um that i just didn't know how to follow uh and when i got the audition for uh hades um the the sides were very much like like it's funny i listened to the original audition that i sent in and it's so different from the way that athena is now where she you know she's very like yes here we are cousin i'm here to help you out you you fucked it up again I'm very, um, but, uh, but when I first auditioned, I was like, oh, there you are, cousin. Yes, let's get this going. And it's just because, like, at the time, I was very much like, ugh, if I just act like I'm actually distracted and busy and talking to my cousin on, like, a little super Olympic Olympian cell phone or whatever, um, then I'm probably not going to book this because they're going to think I sound like a bitch. But then um, when I submitted it, they were like, no, we want you to sound a little bitch here. And I was like, oh, okay, great. I can do that. Um, <laughs> so, and uh, after after Hades is um, when things kind of really started coming into place. Um, and now I definitely see gender as much more of a performance. But at the time, Hades was very like groundbreaking for me because it was one of the first projects that I had actually been allowed to just sort of step into and be like, all right, this is my, what I have to offer and I'm going to give it to you. And you like it. So here we go. Because... Um, uh, because I, I've tended to 
in the dubbing circles that I've been in, I tend to, I was always very, had the more masculine voice and the deeper voice of my colleagues. So um, being able to, uh, you know, be Athena who had such a deep voice and be like Electo and I, I like to joke that she's horny for blood, but um, <laughs> like, <laughs> and then to Tiffany who is like basically just a depressed Pokemon. But um, yeah. <laughs> that's a great way to put that. <laughs> but um, you know, since I since I didn't have the, it was a it was a much smaller um, auditioning circle. Like I'm pretty sure they just kind of I didn't realize it at the time, but I'm pretty sure they just sort of like had a small list of actors and they sent us you know a handful of auditions and then we we just sort of booked if they if they thought that we could do it and then they would alter our voices after the fact. Like, I didn't know that Electo's voice would be um, uh, changed. But I I imagined that Tisiphone's would have probably been changed because they said she was, you know, monstrous and kind of haunting and a, a ghost-like. Um, so that's why I went with that sort of, like, crackly morning sound. But then, um, yeah. I forgot where I was going with this. But um, <laughs> um, I didn't really start getting into the more, I mean, actually, I, and I have been doing the more masculine side of things in my career uh, because I would tend to do like a lot of boy voices. Um, and I just thought it was because I was a more tomboyish person myself. Um, but uh, then when I got, it wasn't until I got cast as um, this character, uh, Izanami in um, Be the Beginning, that I started being like, oh, there are people and there are characters who exist between the genders because the character of Izanami was described to me by the producer and the director as sort of being between male and female. Um, and uh, that was very novel to me at the time because it wasn't something that I knew could happen in the real world. Um, and then by the time I got cast as Enkidu in um, Fate Grand Order, um, Absolute Demonic Front Babylonia, I think is the full title. <laughs> um, um, that was when I started being like, okay, I think, I think this masculine thing this androgynous thing is definitely something that feels much more comfortable for me um and something that deserves a lot more thought than i've been giving it um and i actually did come out as non-binary um prior to enkidu's announcement because i felt very strongly that if i was accepting these roles and i was questioning my own gender that it was kind of not wrong of me to accept the role, but like I personally feel like like if I want to explore my gender in therapy, then I need to pay for therapy and acting should not be my first coping mechanism for therapy. Um, and oh. I think it's very important to have people that represent those um, perspectives in roles that are coded like that. So um, I, that's why I personally came out at that time as non-binary, and then later on I realized I was trans. But um, anyway, that's that's a very long answer, but I hope it answers the question. No, it was, it was phenomenal, and like it actually like kind of bridged into, into my my next question because one thing that really stuck out to me in that sort of honored Greek mythology in Hades was the like continuation and the approval of the Achilles and Patrocles relationship and then just the diversity of not actually being afraid of having different skin tones for the different like uh, depictions of the characters 
And then you see you you evolving into this new universe with Destiny, where you have not only like multiple different races, multiple di- different factions, but in multiple different sexualities and genders alike. Where we even saw the the Hive God go through a gender transformation. Like mm-hmm. that was a very groundbreaking event that, that not really a lot of people talk about is the fact that Auric went to being Oryx, the Taken King. So mm-hmm. what was that? What was that like for you seeing two different um like 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 I wouldn't say Titans and because like the Hades was a like more a more like 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 a grassroots game, but in terms of like two different like games coming together and promoting diversity in big ways. It was it was kind of shocking seeing Hades as a finished product because you know like you were saying there was so much um differentiation in the way that the characters were presented in terms of the their skin tones and stuff like that um but uh something that I also really enjoyed about Hades was that uh they approached the conversation of Polly in a very sort of neutral, like conversational, non-judgmental way. And there is a conversation between, um, I think it's Zagreus and Achilles because, you know, I didn't know that the game had romance in it mm-hmm. because none of my characters had romantic um, involvements with Zagreus, I don't think. Um, or if I did know it was there was romance involved, it was a very passing thing. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't fuck this up, Marin. You're working with Supergiant. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, like when when I heard about the, the romantic element and stuff, I was like, oh, my God. And then when I heard that you could be gay, I was like, oh, my God. Fuck. And then uh, then the whole poly thing started happening because I started flirting with multiple you know, I started flirting with both Meg and Thanatos, and um, Achilles has that bit where he's like, "I mean, you're a, you're a fucking god, dude. Like, you you're alive longer than I can comprehend. So, who am I to judge who you want to sleep with? <laughs> like, I mm-hmm. imagine you guys just get bored after a while, and I'm just sitting here like, that's what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> why the fuck would we be like clinging to cis heterosexual like nuclear family structures?" in a situation where the morality is completely different because our lifespans are completely different and we mm-hmm. don't die when we are killed. Like, <laughs> the, the rules are just different. So why do we believe in God in this universe that, that he's judging us? He's fapping too. Come on. Um, <laughs> um, I love this so much. <laughs> so, um, but uh, it was... I I really appreciated just having, you know, that space to explore the the sexuality of the character. And also I thought it was kind of neat that like, you know, in uh, spoilers for the threesome scene that eventually happens, but like um Oh, <laughs> the, oh yay. Oh, yeah, Hades is yes. racing. Hades is a racing game. And then threesome. Oh, I love mm. it. Um, but like before it happens, you know, Zagreus is standing in the room, and the two of them are standing in the room, and he's like, "Okay, um, I can explain." And they're like, "Dude, you don't have to. The two of us have already fucked. We've known each other longer than you have been alive. Let's just do this. We're all hot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just do yeah. it." And I'm like, "Oh God, yes." Thank you, God. Um, so it's it's just really cool to to see you know 
if not just for the sake of having something different for the sake of having a creative exercise, you know, but for the sake of feeling seen by a video game for once in your fucking life, if you're polysexual, mm. you know, um, but, um, and then from a destiny standpoint, I, f I admit, I feel fucking embarrassed um, because I did not really know very much about destiny coming into the game. And honestly, my husband and I have joked about this after the fact, because um, I think part of the reason why people were so grumpy at Nimbus is because they were expecting, you know, this next big follow through on this huge climax of their favorite video game. And what they got was this cute little Nembo just coming in with like the pizza boxes being like, hey guys, what's going on? Oh shit. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm just having a great time. I'm meeting fucking, you know, new people that I thought were warlords and it turns out they're really cool people and um and you guys are like no I want to be grizzled and and grumpy and I'm like no no turn that frown upside down little buddy <laughs> um <laughs> and people don't people don't like that and I you know some I I can understand that but coming into it I had such a different impression of what um destiny was because it was a first person shooter i didn't realize how queer the people working on it were i didn't realize how queer the character roster was um so i i was i was very much like surprised to um that they were even going to be exploring and kind of centering lightfall around a non-binary character and a perspective um, so it was really surprising to me after I had recorded everything. Cause that's when I think, I think, um, I wrapped like right, right before the August 23rd announcement where they showed like the artwork of Nimbus and Rohan. Um, and they kind of announced like fall and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like that <laughs> prior to that, I didn't even know that like Saint and Osiris, that they were gay and that there were, there was another trans character and that, you know, there was a, tra a gender transformation. And now like I'm learning all of these things and it's just like, I'm in love. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm so frustrated with myself cause I'm so bad at Twitch placed, uh, Twitch based gameplay, like especially first person shooters. Um, and when you add platforming into the mix, I just turn into a useless lump. Um, and I, I'm so, I'm also embarrassed because I did briefly make a guardian, and I was like, well, I can't name myself Nimbus because that's just <laughs> too much. Um, so then I was like, what about Nimblest? That's a cute little pun. And then I spent like, I spent like 30 minutes trying to jump on top of a single platform. <laughs> oh no! Oh, no. Hey, you're not the only <laughs> potato here. It's all right. <laughs> well, like, I cannot, I'm horrible at first person shooters, so you are not alone here. <laughs> it takes time for all of us. That definitely makes sense. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it was just funny because the name just added to the embarrassment. I'm like, I'm not nimble at all. I'm just like, oh, like yeah. you said, you're throwing a potato. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, well, at least you're like sort of giving it a try in your own way. And like, I yeah. do. I, I do want to commend not only the writing staff, but you and like, the, the other voice actors portrayal of this, because one thing, like, even if we wouldn't have got the announcement of, um, like, like Nimbus being a they, them, like, they, they would have just went into it 
and the casualness of Rohan just being like, oh yeah, they're over there. Like just the yeah. casualness, like the acceptance, yeah. the like the higher level of thinking, like you were talking about, where we're in like a, po- a post-apocalyptic situation. Who cares? It was very like it's like like honestly really really, really touching to see just like everyone's accepting it. Cool, they bet whatever. Cool, we we got we got people to kill. We got yeah. bigger priorities. Yeah. Like it was such a great way to go about it. And I got, like when reading that, how did that go about for you? It's it's interest. So um, it's funny because like watching watching the the hype from the outside, um, it was really funny because my husband and I we were looking at Twitter, at, especially um when they released the the couple of V-Docs leading up to the release. Um, it was funny because the people who were critical of Nimbus were very verbally like, oh, they're going out of their way to showcase Nimbus and show everyone how woke they are. But like, as the voice actor for Nimbus, I was like, desperately like, scrambling for crumbs the crumbs that i could possibly get because they they showed so little of nimbus and i think they were trying to avoid that criticism uh overtly of like i'm this is my fucking projection i have i have no i'm not affiliated with bungie and i don't speak with them regularly at all so you know please take this with whatever huge grain of salt (laughs) can be taken um but like i'm i just thought it was really funny that like in one corner you have the grumpy anti-woke people grumbling about the fact that a non-binary person exists and then you have the people you know there was me and there was like a couple other people on twitter who were like nimbus voice reveal when like (laughs) (laughs) the only thing that they had was um that little woo that nimbus does right before um he goes well the bigger they are the the uglier they or the uglier they are the harder they fall um and that was like the only thing we could really hear um prior to release um i was one of those nimbus voice reveal when people (laughs) i love i love like just finding out who voice actors are giving them my support you know like you've seen with myself on twitter and all that kind of stuff like i'm here to support the people that bring my characters to life it's so like for me, it was like, when, when do we get to hear their voice? When? <laughs> well, and, and, you know, like Nimbus, when I was recording them, it was one of those characters where it was like, I knew that they were going to be kind of polarizing because they had a sense of humor, because they were a little quippy and because they were non-binary. And I, I think I did come home on the after the first session and i was like martin i can't wait to piss off all the gamer boys and say and for them to tell me <laughs> i ruined destiny and guess what they did <laughs> they said, I ruined destiny. <laughs> so like um it's 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 just funny to me you know that is in retrospect now but like the lead up to it it was so exciting because the people who were interested were really we're really interested, you know, um, and it and it does amuse me because at the end of the day, there really wasn't much about the Lightfall story and much about the non-binary perspective that was specifically like focused on in in Lightfall. And I think that's kind of the fucking point <laughs> mm-hmm. is that Absolutely. really, yeah, the only functional difference is you just don't make any assumptions about like who i am and what i can do for you sexually or otherwise 
And uh, then you just call me a they, them every once in a while. Uh, yeah. Or just refer to me by my name instead if it's that hard for you, you know? Um, uh, and I, I think that was refreshing. And it was really nice just because, like, as as somebody who has never felt at home in a female identity because a lot of times it does tend to center around um, maternalness and motherhood. And that is not like, I, I like caring for the people around me, but I'm not a maternal person. (laughs) Um, And uh, a lot of characters that are feminine tend to have that kind of perspective and those sort of stories to tell because, uh, Oh God, we could go into writing tropes and all that other shit that's a whole oh, other God. conversation but um <laughs> it was very nice being nimbus uh, just being able to be nimbus and be like okay these weird things that i have needed to avoid because they were not seen as overtly feminine are now something that are being encouraged um because it's just part of who i am it's part of just the quirkiness of who i am naturally you know there are certain reads that my that my friends and my husband are like yep that's 100 you like we can't <laughs> recognize your voice in this character but we can fucking hear you in those moments you know? <laughs> um right. yeah but yeah and i i i also like because because for me like you know acting i realized that i don't really tick a lot of marketable boxes i'm a niche you know and that that's a strength and a weakness in its own way but the the, because if i if i'm a niche i'm probably not going to be working as much because i'm a specialized talent and and i that means that i really want the things that i work on to matter to me and the thing that really that mattered to me after i was after nimbus came out was like you know i had people messaging me like somebody who um is a colleague of mine uh reached out and said that like their roommate when they came out as non-binary was being an asshole about it and now that they've read they them uh, a few times in some lore entries they are it's much easier for them to use they them because it's become normalized for them to use it so Uh, that's important to me you know like if i'm going to be wasting my time angsting about (laughs) whether or not i get a job i want that job to have some sort of effect on somebody so i'm it makes me glad to know that you know there are people who care so much about the work that we did most definitely and like i know that seeing the representation in this video game has been like so dramatically impressive and like much of an impact on me and it's been like phenomenal but like in terms of impact, the the the, the other um, MB in the room has been dying for the opportunity to get on the mic with you. So I'm I'm gonna turn this one over over to her and let <laughs> let, let her go at it for a minute. Hi, mommy. Hi, Marin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mom, but I'm not that kind of mom. Just <laughs> no, oh, I'm cute. <laughs> oh my god, you have no idea how many times I have to warn people about that. So I have some <laughs> questions specifically about being NB and being trans in the voice acting spaces. Because, like I said earlier, I I love to support you know, our, our voice actors. I love to support our actors in any way, shape and form that I can, because y'all are the people who bring our favorite characters to life, you know, and it just, Nimbus wouldn't be Nimbus without you, you know, Drifter wouldn't be Drifter without Todd. Osiris would definitely not be Osiris without Oded, you know, 
all mm. of y'all are my favorite people, but there's so much, so little representation within the voice acting space as a whole. So my question, uh, you know, I have a few questions, so they're going to be kind of deep. <laughs> so I hope you don't mind. I like it. D- like diving, <laughs> if you will, um, in, 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 you know, in, into the methane waters of Titan. Um, so my first question for you is uh, kind of a uh, positive as compared to negative. What have you found to be um, the easiest? Uh, like, what have you found are the most easy and the most difficult things about being gender nonconformity, gender nonconforming in the acting and voice acting spaces? Well, you know, I'd say the easiest things, uh, the, e- the thing that, words. <laughs> words do be hard. Um, yes, they do be hard. Um, the thing that has made that accept, accepting gender neutrality has made voice acting so much easier for me because it kind of has made me realize that like gender has always been a performance and is kind of a performance for everybody. And it's just a matter of finding the performance that is most fulfilling for you. So, Mm. you know, like I feel like, cause I feel like there are many women who, cause we, I think we can all agree that, men and women are not biologically wired any one way or another they we have we have tendencies and uh, that are encouraged by social interactions uh, while we're Mm -hmm. growing up and um there are certain behaviors that make us feel more enforced in those things if there were not i would not facebook would not think i was a man and be sending me ads for gender affirming ball hammocks for men (laughs) Literally something that comes up in my feed every day. (laughs) Um, So once I started realizing like, oh, of course, like, because my, I, I didn't realize what my gender dysphoria monologue was, right? We all have cognitive dissonance and some of us that cognitive dissonance involves our gender. And for me, that cognitive dissonance was Anytime I would present high femme, I would just look at myself in the mirror and say, and be like, you're a fucking liar. You are a liar. Nobody's going to look at you and believe that you are what you are presenting yourself to be. And that is something that gets into your bones. You know, it affects how you feel about yourself and how you can present yourself to other people confidently. And when you're when you're trying to be the best version of yourself and you want to be there for other people, you, you have to be confident. You have to be, you know, a good version of yourself. And for me, trying to perform femininity, wearing dresses, speaking in a way that was non-threatening to certain people, um, the expectation of me being shorter than men, (laughs) um, uh, you know, there are all sorts of little tripwires that I would pull without even realizing it. And um, it just kept getting in the way. And whenever I would go into the booth, it would manifest in like, okay, am I breathy enough, you know, or am Mm -hmm. I too aggressive or am I too judgy? And especially when you're a femme, like these are things that you really need to worry about a lot more than masculine presenting performers do because um, 
I hate to say it, but I think a lot of people tend to project moms onto femmes. And then if femmes do any do or say anything negative, they're like, oh my God, my mom's yelling at me. And it's like, no, I'm just a random woman presenting person. Thank you. <laughs> Can we have a conversation, please? Oh, without your mom. Um, anyway, it's <laughs> psychology. Um, but yeah, so I... You know, I would I would get in my head about it whenever I'd try and present feminine. Um, like one of I was telling somebody earlier today, one of my longest running jobs was for Lego Friends. Um, I was one of the main girls in that, um, and I almost didn't submit it my audition for that because when I was auditioning, um, she was the maternal kind of soft character. God, I can't even do the voice anymore. But she was kind of like this, very soft-spoken and very sweet and blah, blah, blah. But an octave higher now. Um, and uh, But when I would listen back, I remember like I was having a meltdown because I, I just kept saying, like, it sounds like a fake girl. But oh, now man. I'm just like, what does that mean? <laughs> I was a girl. I was a woman. So why was I fake? And it was because it yeah, felt yeah. fake to me. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so it, when I, when I started accepting that it, it's supposed to feel alien is when I was like, okay, I can deal with this, you know? So to be honest, I'm still kind of struggling with whether or not I'm bi-gender or agender. And, um, uh, that's also, I mean, I, and that doesn't quite affect the performance quite as much as my own just internal operating system i suppose um but yeah and as for the hardest parts boy um when it comes to commercial work uh that is the most lucrative field in voiceover um because like you know i i booked a super bowl commercial once uh and that was a twelve thousand dollar paycheck and that was a low payout um oh, wow. yeah uh and that went into a new air conditioner immediately. <laughs> but um, uh, there, like a, a friend of mine got, if you can get onto like a contract for looping or something like that, then you can get residual payouts per project, like up to fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm not sure what the caps are on residuals anymore, but um, and that's to be on and that, to be transparent, that is why we are fighting so fiercely right now. Um, for the negotiations that are happening because uh, the streaming platforms have vertically integrated a lot of those residuals away from actors uh, and we want them back. Um, but in order to get them, they the streaming companies would have to reveal their viewer counts and they don't want to do that because that gives you know us power over them. And long story yeah. short, we are not getting paid what we used to. <laughs> um, shit. Uh, what was the? Oh yes, commercials. Um, so I bring this up because um, when it comes to anime dubbing, um, uh, our union payout, we just got a thirty percent raise um, on our uh, contract that we updated for the first time in twenty something years, and uh, that rate is now I want to say eighty eight dollars an hour. <laughs> with the two hour minimum <laughs> um, and granted Destiny is not that rate dubbing is some of the lowest paying work um, Destiny you know pays a, a daily session rate 
Um, but anyway, all this being said, Destiny, as amazing as it is um, uh, to be in Destiny uh, and to have this on my resume to be able to market myself to other clients, to be able to continue, uh, you know, being an actor and growing my career. Um, but the commercial work is really how you make things work between gigs. Um, uh, and uh, when you're gender neutral, there's not a whole lot of work for you in the commercial space because it is highly gendered. Um, and that's true for like promote like promo gigs as well. Um, and so that can be very frustrating because that's where I feel very like vulnerable and unprepared for other people's opinions in terms of like how masculine or feminine I sound. Because in a character space, I can be like, yeah, sure, whatever, this char this person is a girl uh, and they sound a little masculine here, but they're, they're a tomboy, fuck you, this is my interpretation. But for commercials, people have very different opinions about masculinity and femininity. <laughs> and I don't know how to justify those opinions to myself, you know? So, um, yeah, that's what I would say. Uh, and on, on that, uh, actually on that note, we're kind of, I've, I've got a few questions here, but we're definitely skipping because you brought up the whole, um, you know, like the commercial work being very gendered. Um, uh, how has like curating your roles and, looking for roles or accepting roles, doing auditions. How has that gone as you've transitioned? It's been very interesting because <clears throat> that answer really changes depending on who I have in my corner uh, mm -hmm. as my career has progressed. Because like in the beginning, it was just me. Um, and I felt very confused and very lost um and you know you don't get a whole lot of auditions when you're unrepresented but uh i felt especially kind of ignored over my other colleagues because i didn't tend to accept lower paying jobs and uh i um would uh I had a deeper voice. Like I, I specifically remember one of my Japanese clients being like, yes, I need more of you because you have such a deep voice. And I'm like, really? I'm a soprano, but all right. Um, and uh, shit, remind me the question again. I have ADHD. <laughs> That's absolutely oh. <laughs> We are so used to that. <laughs> I feel so represented now. <laughs> Same. Same. <laughs> this is I the true representation. Like you've been transitioning. Oh yes, curating. Um. So yeah, like uh, and when I, so when I first got my my first agency, it was I'm I'm a femme, I'm a woman. Give me thirty year old woman auditions, please. And I think I was in my late twenties at the time. Uh, and so it was, you know, very much me trying to fit into this um, very femme mold. Uh, I had a disagreement with that agent and uh, ended up firing them. And then I went unrepresented for a while. 
And it's it's interesting because like my Japanese clients have always kind of sent me like the beginning of my career is very masculine based. Like I was um, young Kiritsugu in Fate uh, Zero. I was uh, Recon in Sword Art Online. My very first like major role was you know Scrya in Madoka. Uh, no, not Ma- not Madoka, but I wasn't a boy in Madoka. Um, uh, fucking Nanoha. That's what it's called. Um, so. I've all, I had always been like clued into the fact that I sounded masculine and I was leaning into that, but I thought that's because there were only two genders <laughs> that I didn't really get the gender fluidity thing or the non-binary thing. And then um, when I finally did decide to uh, come out transition and um, started taking hormones, uh, I got my first agent uh, or I, yeah, I got I got an agent after coming out, um, and that experience was very frustrating and limiting. Um, and I'm not sure if it's because this agent was higher profile, because um, some higher profile agents tend to be very precious with the stuff that they send out to um, their their actors. Like they'll be like, "Oh, I don't want you competing against this other guy because I want you to book this. And I think you're better than him." Um, but for me, like I'm a I'm a non-binary talent, so like I could be good for male characters. I could be good for female characters. I might be good for some non-binary characters, not literally all non-binary characters. Um, but for me, I kind of prefer being left to made the choice, make the choice on my own. Um, and when I was with this other agency, they were very much like, we are going to only send you things that we think you are good for. And those things were usually like women that were not very comfortable for me they and they were almost exclusively non-binary characters and with the occasional woman and like but they would send me things like like 14 year old girls do i sound like a 14 year old girl to you <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> yeah um so i was with them um for a year and actually it was funny because i ended up getting a callback for nimbus like right when i was getting ready to leave them and i ended up going to the callback and being like uh by the way i quit <laughs> oh, gosh. to oh, my God. agent um but i i had another agent um that was willing to represent me and uh the person i'm with now atlas talent is they're they're fantastic um because they are uh, i had they 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 told me they're like yeah we pretty much just throw spaghetti at the wall with you and uh you know whatever you read for we learn more about your voice and they they have been changing the things they've been sending me in just the year that i've been with them like um they booked me yeah they they booked me um uh world of warcraft and like diablo 4 and uh and those were kind of like deep voiced female characters yes i'm a rogue and we are going to go kill somebody but um uh they've also started more recently sending me like uh full-on 20 or 30 year old men so um and that's because uh my voice has been dropping um actually my voice started dropping right when i booked nimbus i think was when the first big drop happened and i was crackling a lot (laughs) um so yeah those uh those those voice breaks that we sometimes hear with Nimbus are actually your voice breaks, not just like something that you had to like add in. No, yeah, that those were authentic, and sometimes I played up a little so bit. But, yeah, <laughs> no, it was, and actually the the woo. 
that <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, that's definitely my woo. Because Mar- my husband was like, it sounds deeper than you. Because we didn't know that the voice was going to be changed. Um, but my husband was like, it sounds deeper than you. It might not be you. And I was like, no, it's definitely me. Because like, I literally, when I was in the booth, they wanted me to do like a like a woo, like a much clearer woo. But because I'm going through literal puberty i can't do that <laughs> not the way they wanted to so like there's just so much crackling and i'm like no that's real that's me but um yeah i love that i i i love that that we're you know as as we get to know nimbus you know farther in the story and stuff like that that we kind of hear that that evolution of your voice. I have one final question for you before we get up to uh, Divas and before I pass the mic on to him. And, and this is something personally that, that I think is really important, at least on my end as well, um, as, you know, as well as your end, because, you know, voice acting is something that I would like to get into eventually myself. Mm. Um, and it's like, so m- my final question for you is how have your fellow actors and fellow voice actors accepted or reacted to your change, you know, your transitioning and coming out and stuff like that? Because I know the, the voice actor community is very tight knit, mm-hmm. um, but there are people of all different backgrounds in the voice acting community. So I'm just curious, you know, have have there been any difficult interactions or anything like that? Or have people been generally really accepting of you as you've trans- transitioned? It's funny, my immediate family is less accepting of me than the acting community has been. <laughs> um. Like, seriously, <laughs> when my son yeah. came, he was the same way. They're like, but, 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 but he's not a boy. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like my it's it's i was very shocked be, and it's kind of funny because i think like there have been people within the voice acting community over the last few years that i think like kind of knew before i did um because mm-hmm. there was um you know uh the the sailor moon redub came out uh started coming out several years ago and i actually auditioned for and got called back for uh sailor uranus as well as um, one of the Sailor stars in Sailor Moon Crystal. Um, and they, one of my friends was saying at the time, like, yeah, I recommended you because I really wanted them to get more gender nonconforming and queer people reading. And like, I'm bi- I was bisexual at the time, so I was like, okay, queer makes sense, but am I gender nonconforming? And I'm like sitting there with my head shaved and like, you know, fucking <laughs> all this other shit. And like, to me, like, it was never a matter of gender nonconformity. It was just wearing clothing that felt most comfortable to me. But like, as I continued, um, down learning more about gender nonconformity it started you know being like oh yeah no this is this is right um but there was a there's another actor by the name of Casey Mangelo who um uh they've they've kind of uh, gone through a few pronouns uh publicly um so the community kind of already had experience um you know learning about um a trans person in transition, I suppose, because um, Casey has some uh, personal complications uh, with their transition, I think. Um, but uh, 
for for me, it was very uh, when I first talked to them, I was like, oh, remind me your pronouns because I forgot um, or I'm terrible. I don't want to fuck up. And um, and they were like, you know, oh, you know, whatever. Um, They kind of changed by the day. What are yours or what what is what is your gender? And I was like, well, that's a good question. And that's when I was like, oh, maybe something's wrong. (laughs) Maybe something is different here. Um, uh, But when I came out, um after the whole enki do thing like uh every it was pretty much everybody was supportive as far as i can remember um because at first my my transition has been pretty gradual uh it started just with hey i'm non-binary and i think i like to be referred to as they because you know i i was a comfort thing for me managing other people's expectations if they heard neutral pronouns was the idea and then from there it was i want a different name so i started asking um i started asking people to call me by marin and it's funny too actually because i said something i don't remember what i said but i'm in an organizing group with actors and i was talking about something and i think i had recently asked about non-binary experiences on my facebook cuz i was just curious and polling i had some non-binary people on my friends list and was asking like, hey, why did you make this decision? I'm curious because I want to make my decision, I think. Um, but I was talking about um, something to do with queerness and somebody was like, oh, is it time? Are you changing your pronouns? And I was like, no, should I? <laughs> but um, but it's just really funny, like how much so- certain people were chomping at the bit, like they were ready to go um, to, to like support me and, um, that that organizing group was actually the first group that I came out to, and I told them to use my the name that I'm using now, which is Marin, uh, which is my legal name now. Hooray! Um, but um, I remember I just felt so sick doing it because I was like, oh, I'm being a bother, I'm being a nuisance, this is a problem. But now it just feels like a glove, and nobody even gave it a second thought. So I think social media definitely helps because um, the name change is reinforced by seeing it repetitively every day you know um but yeah i've not run into any sort of issues within the community with using the wrong name to be honest that's absolutely beautiful to hear thank you so much i i yeah and there's lots of lots of more non-binary actors coming out or not more she they's and stuff you know we've got uh, Kimlin Tran is a demigirl, I think. Um, Casey Mondrillo, obviously. Uh, Millie Grant, who is Catalyst in um, Apex. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, I think the uh, recently uh, asked for people to start using their them or who? see their pronouns with them. Who did? Erica Ishii. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Erica Ishii's been uh, gender fluid for a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I only recently heard about it, but I was like, oh my gosh, uh, another baby. And yeah. you know, they voice uh, Anna, Anna Gray mm-hmm. in, in Destiny as well. And Anna's another great character representation because she's a lesbian. Yeah, yeah. Erica's, <laughs> Erica's also a great representation for that. <laughs> Erica's amazing. I'm so glad think- that. I think Erica's preferred term is a uh, gender chaotic. <laughs> I, <love that. laughs> 
All right, Deva, my hunter man, you got some questions. Let's let's get you to know, them. After Tower here, my my question seems so basic. You know, <laughs> I, I, I I might have to step no, my game no, up and and add no, a little bit more flair to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but my first question was, you know, how has working with uh, Bungie and voicing Nimbus changed the way that kind of look at the world and interact with the, uh, you know, I don't want to say like voice acting, just like your career as, as a whole. Well, honestly, um, this is a big question. Because um, I, I am kind of at a crossroads right now. Um, I've been I've spent a lot of time in in dubbing. Uh, that's where I got my start and where I really wanted to you know burrow into because I really loved anime. I loved the way that it told stories, and I really loved language and um, the way that like all of that kind of intersects when you're working on dubs is is just so cool. Because um, I I also write scripts for dubs as well, but right. um, I. I'm honestly, I'm kind of nervous about the future of dubbing um, because we just had a major monopolizing merger with Crunchyroll and Funimation. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And that has um, had rippling effects on the dubbing market across the nation and, um, and will continue to have rippling effects uh, for years to come because we're kind of like at a point where they're making legal claims that, um, they expect us to uh, go to court over it, kind of. So, um, and to to be, and there's also like you know we don't we don't know how much longer dubbing is going to exist because um, there's a lot of companies that are actively gunning to remove it from the budget bottom line for companies. What? Yeah, like if you if you search for AI stuff, they are straight up like, yeah, we can disrupt the dubbing industry by using AI to streamline your workflow and remove the 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 jobs from there cuz all they need to do is get the AI technology to a point where they can clone, you know, Tom Cruise's voice print. And then they can just have Tom Cruise voice himself in every language. Um, now, oh. granted, yeah. Now, oh. as a voice actor, I'm fucked <laughs> in that regard. As a writer, I might have a little more time because uh, they still need somebody to, you know, adapt the script from the dry translation. But once AI gets that as well, uh, it's all over for me. <laughs> like that's all my job skills. But when it comes to dubbing, anyway. So. Um, but the, the, the Crunchyroll merger happened in March, I want to say March of last year, and I was kind of at a point where I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to dub anymore. Like, we're looking at AI, it's it's got a barrel in our face. Um, this merger might be pulling the higher profile work out of California, because anime is much higher profile than a lot of um, the live action dubs, you know, like One Piece, uh, My Hero Academia, that sort of shit. Um, uh, so I was just kind of like, I have two choices here. Um, cause I was also speaking out a, a lot at the time about the pay discrepancy between, um, LA and Texas and, um, the way that Crunchyroll actors were being mistreated by Crunchyroll. Uh, and I was just kind of like, I might be burning every bridge that I have left in this industry, but 
I, what else do I do? Like I, there's a right thing and a wrong thing. And all I know how to do is the right thing. And if that means that I'm not going to be acting anymore, then so be it. Um, but I had just, uh, and I was with an agent that I, as I mentioned, I was not enthusiastic with, but I ended up signing with, um, Atlas in April and, or May, somewhere around there. And I ended up booking Nimbus in June. Um, so Nimbus, when I ended up booking them, like when I went into that session, excuse me, when I was called back, because I was initially called back, um, it just felt very comfortable and like the concepts felt very like, it, it felt like something that I was just naturally excited about and it felt so collaborative because as much as I love dubbing, it's very rigid because you are held captive by the visuals not captive you know mm -hmm. the original story is there and you have to honor the original story um mm -hmm. as best you can and you can't reanimate the mouth flaps yet flawless ai mm -hmm. is working on it but um <laughs> uh so um all i have is what's there but when i went into um the callback for uh nimbus um the director Kevin was there and he was like, all right, so this is for Destiny 2 and we are going to be working on the lead character for our new expansion. And uh, we're still figuring out exactly who Nimbus is and like what their vibe is and like how they're gonna, you know, be and stuff. But um, we know they're gonna be 10 feet tall or 12 feet tall. And I just immediately went, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, but I, I also got very excited because I was like, oh, because that, because they also were talking about like the physiology of the muscles, the face that we were experimenting with maybe having Nimbus speak much slower because they were getting used to the bigger muscles and stuff. Um, so it felt, and like when I went into the booth, um, I was I was given just the same copy that I had been given for the original audition and like that process that whole callback audition was just us basically like going through and imagining different scenarios so that they could test basically my flexibility and my ability to imagine and deliver on scenarios that they would give me on a at, at this drop of a hat um you know cuz like one of the audition lines was paladin when rohan gets squished um uh, and uh, so when I had initially auditioned, they it was then uh, you know reaching out, screaming, whatever, kind of like it was in the original. But then when we were in the callback, he was like, "Okay, so what about one that's just like big, like long, very dramatic? Okay, well, what about one where you are coming out into a clearing and you see a body?" And you just are kind of like trying to get their attention over the headpiece. So you know that goes from like Rohan to Rohan. Like so, very different. Um, and like, I don't know what it, I don't know what it was, but it just felt very like comfortable and very supportive. And like, it felt like because in I feel like in dubbing situations, my voice and my voice print is always very hyper analyzed. But with Nimbus, that was not the case. The weirdness was very much encouraged, and like, um, they just they wanted more of it. So it just kind of taught me to lean into the things that I'm scared to lean into at the end of the day, because, you know, the, and like, 
even the the audition copy that that was not stuff that was in the the final game it was ideas like i think one of the audition lines was um that was a lot of words and i kind of lost track in the middle there but i think what you're essentially saying is go with the flow and that's the theme of the game <laughs> but it's not the line because obviously the line that he loses or that nimbus loses track is when they're talking about Nim Osiris has got volunteer vibes and you know he's got, got you know he seems excited so that's cool uh uh and like same with the um I suffer today so tomorrow can live on like that cloud strider oath that was something that was in the audition copy but it was a little different so you know like we don't have to be 100% perfect we don't have to be like ready to fucking go we just have to be like in the right park and if I had not leaned into my weird speech patterns because I'm a non-binary pansexual Californian um, <laughs> and all the experience and weirdness that comes with that, uh, um, then I would not have booked this role and the character would not be the character that they are. Because, um, you know, all throughout the recording process, everybody would reinforce to me that nobody else was Nimbus. It was it was me the whole time. And um and there were a lot of people um, in those sessions. Uh, I want to I say there were probably eight to ten people on a Zoom call every session, um, except, except for the, the most recent session I had. I think that was during GDC, so everybody was gone. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Nimbus, Nimbus really reinforced to me that like um, it's, it's okay to transition away from what you were. Um, and it's okay to, you know, move towards something that is unfamiliar and um, maybe not what your first goal was, but that doesn't mean it can't be fun and new and exciting and help you grow and become more than what you were. I will say one line that really stuck out to me was like right before you start the training course was flow with the river. Like, yeah. That stuck yeah. out a lot. Mm. Dave, what else you got? Man, I got a thousand and one questions in my head. But, you know, <laughs> like, like you've answered so many of them in just a passing that is absolutely crazy. Like, one of the other questions that I had was, like, do you feel like you have imparted, like, a part of you that changed the way that the game progressed or how the role progressed? But I feel like that, like you just answered it for me. It's just that easy. And it's, you know, now yeah. I'm just like, well, you gotta come up with a couple other questions on the fly. Well, I can say that um, I, they, I don't think they changed very much about who the character is because, like, even in the description, they were saying that Nimbus, um, I think, allergic to negativity was how they described them. And, um, oh, I love that. <laughs> and uh they had they had three pictures which was Cora and um uh Scorpia and uh Thor but it was like Thor when he was real excited and he was I think he was recognizing the Hulk in that um Ragnarok movie mm -hmm. uh, okay so, so like um they they kind of had the the vibe like i and i think i don't remember if thembo was dropped <laughs> in the initial pitch session but i think it was just a matter of like both of us 
having an idea and then us vibing on a similar frequency. So um, I don't think like, because obviously like when it comes to the actual game itself, there's very little that can be changed. Like I was really shocked about um, how, how much, like how specific some of these requirements are if I wanted to improvise or change anything in the booth. Like, um, oh, what was it? I think it was, uh, I'm going to get you the coordinates was um, one of the lines. And they had to have a conversation like, do we need, are we going to need to update, tell the person to update the su subtitles and all this other stuff? Because there are like, if any letter of that recording is changed, they have to like pass it off to multiple people to make sure that the subtitles are updated in every fucking language, I think. So, because <laughs> it's not wow. a matter of. Yeah, it's because, it, like, also, you know, when we're just doing dubbing, we're just worrying about, like, one track, one language. But when you're doing the original project, you have to worry about localization in every country, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. I never really thought about that. It's kind of one of those things that just, yeah. I guess, kind of goes uh, over your head in passing. Yeah. Kinda like, well, you know, you, you, you kind of, like, in my head, I always thought that. Like the subtitles kind of was like an afterthought. Yeah, but no, it's it, it's. I think part of it is because like um, subtitles and and that sort of stuff has become much more of a. Um, people have advocated it for it uh, to become much more of um, like a requirement, because uh, it is a um, an accessibility thing, you know, like. Uh, mm -hmm. deaf people need to be able to enjoy the game so they need to be able to see what's going on and same with uh, my husband actually was the voice of the audio description for the blind in all of the new Star Wars movies oh, um, wow. yeah oh, so really? that, yeah uh, so if you watch those and you turn on the English audio description you can hear little Karibo go like yes Finn is sweaty <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm trying not to nerd out right now I didn't know that. Oh, mm, mm, mm. car yes, games on motorcycles. Oh my god! I you, sleep. you, you should have seen. You should have seen the DMs that. Uh, because I didn't because like, I can't do not. I can't do not. I didn't. I didn't understand. And then when you retweeted it, and then he retweeted it, my brain almost exploded because, like, <laughs> just in general. Like I just, no. I, it was insane. No, so like, oh my gosh, like, like he he has like he's been an inspiration for me when it comes to me trying to do voice acting work and trying to do podcasting stuff. So like that was just like holy crap. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be very confused as to why you said that because he does not understand his value or appeal at all. But you know, as somebody who, who married him, I I thank you for the appreciation <laughs> <laughs> and agree. I agree as well. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. But uh, I guess my last question is: uh, Are there any other voice actors that you look forward? To working with, or wish you could work with, or maybe some that, uh, like newer actors that you wish you got a little bit more time to work out in the, like a more like higher end scene to get more time. Love. I guess. Yeah, get a little bit of love. There you go. Man, well, I'm gonna say my buddy Edwin Tong. Does not get enough love. He's an Australian voice actor 
um, part human, part gremlin. <laughs> he he has his own. All? He has his own horny jail in our little voice acting workout group, uh, <laughs> and we post Garfield <laughs> memes <laughs> for him. <laughs> oh my dear. But um, he's very funny. He kind of actually reminds me a lot of Gideon Emery in terms of his vocal tone. Like Gideon Emery oh. is a, a little more British, I think. I don't actually know if Gideon oh, we Emery. know we we know Gideon here. He's the yeah. voice of Devrim K. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's funny. Um, and and Toland. Yeah, and Toland. So if you ever go into like uh the Shattered Throne dungeon, which I should yeah. totally take you into sometime, that's Jeez. Gideon as well. See, I'm excited. I hear that like there are actors that have done multiple characters and like um Keitel is also Amanda and uh, so I'm like, man, I hope I get to do a second character. That'd be so fun. <laughs> uh, Saint fourteen, uh, the guy who does the voice of Saint fourteen, also yeah. did the voice of this movie. I'm gonna have like and so Raffi. many conflicting emotions one day if I meet him because, like, on one level I want to worship the ground he walks on, but on the same <laughs> level I want to punch him in the face, and it's like. <laughs> uh. So let me see, voice actors I will really want to work with. I mean, um. I would fucking die. I I was really excited. Actually, you brought up Cannon Busters, and I got to work with Darren DePaul on that one because I was actually a production coordinator on that show um, uh, for a brief time. Uh, and he Careful, came in. You technically have worked with him. He's the yeah. <laughs> but I just want to like. I want to be in the room with him and like work play off of him because he and he and his wife are so cute. They're like five foot six and I'm six feet tall. So I tower over them and like he dresses in these cute little suits and he wears these little glasses. And I'm just like, you <laughs> have the most intimidating voice on the planet and you look like this. I mean, man walks around as Reinhardt like and then he comes back in, in our yeah. world and with his callous and it's like. The 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 intimidation he just emulates is insane. I love his callus. His callus is so gay. It's amazing. Um, and let me see. I mean, I fucking so actually, I didn't bring this up earlier, but one of the first voice actors I ever um reached out to and was like, "How I voice act," and they were nice enough to respond was uh, Liam O'Brien. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, and he's he's oh. on like critical role and stuff but like when i was reaching out to him um he was like he was a new yorker that had just come out to la and i knew him from being in this fucking awful anime called um descendants of darkness yami no matsue and it was like one of the first gay anime i had watched and him and the voice of Yu-Gi-Oh were the main characters um him and dan green <laughs> and they were green, in oh love. My gosh. yeah and they were in love and uh so you know i was i i emailed him and i was like oh my god you voiced a gay man what is that like and he you know talked about being juliet and a romeo and juliet sort of um production thing he did anyway i love liam o'brien i think he has one of the most interesting voices um also jameson price uh fucking amazing voice talent he's um if you guys have ever seen the the anime gonkutsuo uh the count of monte cristo he is the count of monte cristo and he just has this like his voice is like melted butter i don't know how else to describe it so, <laughs> silky smooth you gotta oh. love it 
beautiful. <laughs> and um, I mean, I think Zeno Robinson is hella cute, obviously, but I've Zeno is the him. bomb, man. Yeah. I love him. I would fucking love Oh, I would really like to work with Mason Park, actually. Um, the non-binary actor who was in the Cowboy Bebop as Gren, the Cowboy Bebop live action, and they're also in the new Quantum Leap, but they're one of the more well-known non-binary actors, I think. Um, yeah. And as for newer people, I mean, I think there's a newer actor that I've kind of been coaching off and on who I think is really cute. Um, their name is Maya Ann, and she's just starting to come up in like the independent voice acting community. But uh, she's got like a really nice, rich sound that I think is hard to replicate. So I'm rooting for her, and I hope she books more. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, we get a couple of like, 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 a couple of questions from from uh, the our community Discord that wanted to give like, ask you a couple of things. Uh, Alchemy, us. what do we got? So, um, one of my question is, what was the method you used for getting into the character of Nimbus? Hmm. Um. So, <laughs> it's funny when we first started working on the character, like we would have a couple of different settings because we were trying to figure out that fine line of um, cutesy versus obnoxious. Like, um, there was one line that uh, I'm very glad did not make it to the end. And um, it was an alternate of... uh, It's not because of the breathtaking views of the radial tilt, I think, is the line. And, like, there was an alt of it where it was like, and it's not just because the real estate prices are such and such. And I'm like, guys, we can't talk about real estate prices in Neo Muna. <laughs> That's a little too on the nose. That's a little too real for me right now, living in my overpriced California house. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, so there would be, I would sometimes have, like, the Stargaritas on Rohan is a good example. Because that was one I had to come back to um, for pickups uh, at the very end. Um, and at the very end, they they brought me in for pickups, like I said. And the pickups were basically, okay, we liked what you did before, but it was just a little too much. And I'm sorry if you hear meowing, by the way. Meatball has a lot of opinions about this. But... Um, uh, uh, yeah, so they were like, they were. It was great what you did because I, I think I played a bit younger at times than what I, what they were expecting, because um, you know I think in my head I was thinking more of a, of a bit more mature, immature, and they were thinking like I was thinking like teens, and they were thinking like twenties, like punk ass twenty five, thirty something year old, I think, but. Um, uh, so uh, when they brought me back in, they were like, okay, we're going to be recalibrating some of these lines. So we're going to have, uh, we, we had like a placement that was like the sun, putting on sunglasses and walking away from an explosion setting. Because I would tend to go for the very excited round. Like the my first take for the Stargaritas on Rohan was like, we do this and then bing, bang, boom, Stargaritas on Rohan, baby. Like, you know, that sort of shit. And they were like, no, 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 Marin, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turned into bing, bang, boom, Stargaritas on Rohan. 
So, <laughs> and that was more of the like sunglasses uh, walking away from an explosion. Oh, the let's go do some hero stuff. That was also a sunglasses and walking away from an explosion line before it was like, let's go do some hero stuff. Yeah, boy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the vibe I was going for. <laughs> Love that, that so, so much. Fun. It just sounds like it's such a fun time just to like bounce off ideas and stuff like that and recreate the perfect thing you want to make happen. Yeah, it is fun. Like, and that's why I kind of appreciated um, the interactive setting a little bit more because, you know, when we're working in on dubs, it's a little hard to um, not get in your head about redirects because you have the visuals there. So it's a little easier for you to get the context and a little easier for you to feel weird about like, oh, I don't know if I like the way that you're directing me. And um, But when you have literally nothing, um, it's much nicer to just sort of be like, okay, let's try and really figure out, like sharpen this blade, figure out like what exactly shade of motion you're looking for and what context we're looking for too. Cause I mean, the, what is it? The, um, the scene where he, where Nimbus finds Rohan's, the, the gun, um, oh. the exotic, uh, that was totally different when I first read that. It was very much like, tears streaming down my face like we're kind of having a conversation um right next to each other at a table it was like i can't fucking do this and i'm looking at this and i'm just fucking and they were like no 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 tears streaming down your face <laughs> the tears are like welled up in the corners of your eyes and you are kind of like five or ten feet away so like you know it's it's really interesting to to be able to be given the freedom to really explore different kinds of reads like that. And um, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Hell yeah. It definitely sounds like you had a great time. Like, cause it, 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 it shows through in, you know, how Nimbus comes across in the game, you know, in the live game. Like, it sounds like you had a great time. It sounds like Nimbus is having a good time. Like, that's what comes across to me. I'm glad. Because, yeah, I, I didn't feel very nervous at all. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, look, I am just happy to see a return of, like, the surfer slang yeah. coming back into prominence. Look. <laughs> I'm so happy. We need Michelangelo representation. <laughs> exactly. Yes, mighty energy. That's that's what Nimbus comes across to me as is Mikey energy, like fun and you know, funny when it's good to be fun and funny, but when you know stuff gets down to business, Nimbus is there and is ready to get down to business. Yes, indeed. Almost definitely. And now I've got one more question. Um, how has your interaction with the Destiny community, like after the fact that the people said that Nimbus ruined the game, like <laughs> has how has that been like affecting you? And like, would you still play the game? Um, I mean, my husband and I. I watched my husband play through the whole campaign. So we have played the game and we are currently trying to play more of season of the deep, but he sucks. I say having 
sucked at the game. But <laughs> <laughs> I just want to throw Thank a little thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I keep... You have a free invite to come game with any of us anytime. Most I keep of. telling them, I'm like, Martin, I, I can hook you up with just about anybody who you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I honestly, like, um, I knew that... Because, you know, we, we've we all lived through the highs and lows of gaming, um, the community at large. Uh, we've mm. all seen um, the community change and uh, the culture kind of show itself. Uh, I knew what to expect getting into this. Um, and thankfully, it was nowhere near as bad as I was hoping it would be. There were, you know, other things that I was concerned about that... Um, really nobody gave a shit about because they were so focused about uh the gender shit which i'm like all right if you want to be transphobic go for it um and (laughs) i just still can't get over the fact that of all the fucking things to spiral out of um me accepting this role the rumor that i make fart porn is one of them but you know it's just Just so, by supporting Marin, I've gotten uh, people in my comments going, "You know, Marin does this," and I'm like, "No, no, no. they don't." Yeah, um, so I I made like a fart joke. <laughs> I made a fart joke because um, people obviously before they got to the point where you do the exotic weapons quest, because that's kind of what evens Nimbus out, where you realize that it's all a front. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, before they got to that, everyone was like, Nimbus is Jar Jar Binks and blah, blah, blah. Jokes on them. I love Jar Jar Binks. Um, yes. <laughs> but um, uh, people people were just being, being mean or whatever. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a Nimbo defender. I love my baby Nimbo. So I tweeted something like... Um, Nimbus to me is just like a consciousness that's been put into a body and is just so excited to experience the nervous system because at the time I could not remember the specifics of the lore and I did not know if it had been revealed that the cloud arc was you know basically the matrix where they kept everybody in there I didn't know if it was revealed that um, it was only an emergency measure I didn't know how long and I also don't know if we really know how long they've been in there Um, because I know that uh, it happened when Rohan was a cloud strider but there was no like specific like two years ago or three years ago. So I mean, if Nimbus is in their early twenties, then chances are they spent a good chunk of their formative years in a machine, and they may have just kind of lost track of their body um, and what it feels like to have those actual nerve impulses, you know. So to me, I was like, they're just fucking excited to feel the wind under their pits, you know, like when they're Naruto <laughs> running. Um, And then I think I made a joke where it was like Nimbus, like risky business slides into the room and is like, look what I just learned I can do. And then he farts (laughs) or they fart. Um, And that was my joke. And then um, that triggered uh, some individuals to search the word fart on my Twitter. And oh my God, scandal of the year. Do you guys know that I like to make fart jokes? (laughs) The world's coming to an end. And I think, the, I think the one that did it was the one where I said, um, the voice acting is free, you pay for the farts. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> anyway, so um, people tried to because they have nothing else on me. Like I'm, I've been married to one man the entirety of my fucking life. We're having a great time. We're you know in a perfectly successful relationship. Um, I, I'm very boring, so they just had to make something up, I guess. But that being said. Um, and and like I said, it is very on brand for me of all the things to have happened. <laughs> Fartborn rumor is probably the most Marin story I can think of. But um, <laughs> that being said, like I I really do enjoy like um, just how enamored people are with Nimbus. Like it's really fun to be a character that I know. People just kind of like look up and go, hub, 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 hub. Uh, <laughs> like that's a big motherfucker right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's very amusing to me. And like, like when the first images were revealed of Nimbus, like I was cackling so much when people were like, yo, what's up with that dick? Oh my, oh my god, it's freaking <laughs> armor as. As, as a veteran, I was looking at that and I was like, y'all are so fucking stupid. You <laughs> do not thirsty. what the hell that is. Thirsty little silly babies. I just, I, I fucking love it. And there was like an, uh, a, it was a meme uh, for a little bit. I think it was off of the gamer. There was an article, and my it has the favorite thing I've most favorite thing I've ever seen written about a character that I've voiced, and it was the phrase "the unavoidable bulge of their enormous penis." And (laughs) (laughs) oh my lord! I I just I feel like I accomplished something with that phrase. Just and I I didn't even design the character. I just I felt so good. Um, but I I just I really do love like how um involved everyone is in the story and the characters, you know. Like I was expecting um just another first person shooter, but I found like a really uh vibrant community of people who are just excited to live in this world and shoot shit up and do space magic and stuff and have all sorts of gay aliens hanging out with them and everything. And I'm like, hell yeah. You know, I'm I might not be great at the FPS thing, but I'm I'm a I'm a whore for fandom. Like I love like fan fiction. I love head cannons. I love all that stuff. Like, oh, you better believe my husband like trolls the internet for that fan content and sends it to me. <laughs> oh my. Oh dang. I, I should I should probably stop posting my fan fiction. No. <laughs> Keep it up. Look what's happened. Look, look, look. I don't Everybody read it all, but I read I some of it. <laughs> okay. And my husband like, explained my husband explained the bare basics. I can understand. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like like your husband comes from like the the, the fandom where like the Yu-Gi-Oh characters like had the worst fan fiction. So like I, yeah. I kind of have to sympathize that he has to go somewhere else for a little bit. <laughs> like like the you say Jack Atlas like stuff alone. Car games on motorcycles started a trend. So <laughs> like yeah, that that alone was an atomic bomb. <laughs> <laughs> that that's what Oppenheimer is going to be about. Is that fucking phrase? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> But no, um, this this has been just an amazing episode with you. 
Um, like the, the that one line like right before the training course has like stuck with me throughout this entire thing. The flow like the river because it is symbol symb- symbolic of what we've been dealing with in the industry and also in society right now, where like like almost all of us here are queer. We have these different like like, like stories that we can tell, but in terms of like, I, I think one thing that I would love to, like, to, like, to like, like get your opinion on is just what do you tell, especially when the community is so toxic, when we've seen different things happening in the video game space this past week alone, um, what do you tell different queer like, like gamers to give them hope for the future of the media? You know, um, I would say like, I mean, I would point to the word queer as um, a starting point and say queer was once an insult to use against us. And it was something, it took people looking other people in the face and saying, yeah, I'm fucking queer, you're right, before it just turned into a word that we use to describe ourselves. And likewise, you know, people think that they can say or twist whatever we say into whatever they they want and we can we'll just bend over backwards to deny it or whatever and at the at the end of the day if somebody wants to project that weirdness onto me like the fart shit people think that them going around saying that i make fart porn reflects poorly on me bitch you're the one who literally like saw a joke about farts and was like yeah she they definitely make porn like (laughs) come on (laughs) why is that my problem that you did that (laughs) i don't have to worry about your weird like fetishes and fantasies of me i don't need to accommodate that um so you know and it's it's like i saw a video the other day uh, and i remember it at the time when when um anderson cooper was talking to lady gaga and he was saying you know there are people who claim that you have a penis and she's like okay, would it be so terrible if I did? And he's like, well, you know, sometimes people would issue a statement to be like, no, of course I don't have a penis. And she's like, why would I fucking waste my time doing that, bruh? Like, if I have a penis, if I have a penis or don't have a penis, the people who like me do not give a shit. They just like listening to me sing. So likewise, you know, if you're queer, if you're trans, especially right now where so many people are just asking questions Ugh. and it's always the same fucking questions and they never actually like accept what you say as your perspective. They always have to argue with it and tell you why you're wrong. And it's like, okay, but you know, like arguing with me about biology doesn't fucking matter because I don't care about biology. You know, like at, at the end at the end of the day, my body does not feel uh, correct for me. So I am taking medical steps to intervene. Why is that anyone's business but mine? You know, and if you have a problem with using a different pronoun to refer to me, that is your issue. So you can go deal with it in therapy. And I'm going to go over here with the other adults who can work with people like mature individuals. And we can get what needs to be done done. And you can throw your little shit fit and have an extinction burst in the corner. Uh, You know, like, so I I hate to say something like that because obviously it encourages a divide or whatever, but why is it our responsibility to bridge that divide? You Mm, know? Preach. Like, I'm done debating because I'm going to exist whether you like it or not. 
And the fact of the matter is, my life has become much easier. I've become a much more tolerable person, a much happier person. Those are all quantifiably true. So why would I change what has been working for me just because it makes somebody who is not investing in my personal or sexual wellness uncomfortable? Like, if you're not eating my pussy, why do I care, you know? That's my life motto. <laughs> I mean, I respect. Man. Respect. Look, I, hey. So all I have um, to say about it is, <laughs> you know, back in the day, I had uh, one of my ex girlfriends. She had a saying, like, "Look, if you're not the person that's gonna do the 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 fun thing that the person likes, why why is your opinion matter here?" Yeah, I know what side my bread is buttered on, and I am. To keep it buttered. Yes, indeed. Because, mm. and that's the thing, like, we we are here on this planet whether we want to be or not. We had no choice in the fucking matter. Mm. And, you know, some of our parents set us up the wrong way, and they were they expected us to be grateful for it, and we have very bad ideas of what the world should be like because of those terrible expectations. I totally understand that. But, like, you don't have to hammer that into somebody else just because you feel something when you see them, you know? You don't have to hold somebody else responsible for that feeling. And likewise, as a queer person, if somebody feels the need to make you responsible for the feelings that are triggered when they see you, fuck them. Mm. <laughs> absolutely fuck them. Because we ain't got the time or the energy for that. We're all too poor. Amen. Amen. But no, uh, thank thank you so much for being on this episode. It has been insane. Like I was really hopeful this was gonna go well, and it, it blew my expectations out of the water. So thank you so much. You have a free pass to come back whenever you want. This was awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. yeah. Feel free to reach out again, and I'll be happy to come back. Absolutely. But, and you have a free pass to, like I said before, join any of us. You and Kerbo. Are welcome to join any of us anytime y'all are in game if you want to do activities or anything like that learn dungeons raids let us know we'll help Gosh. you guys do any of that kind of stuff we that's, do like that's one of the big things that we do nice oh. yeah i've been trying to tell him i'm like look man we can <laughs> we got volunteers <laughs> nice. Heck yeah all the time but this was just phenomenal and we are gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode i think you normally we do like a like what is your closing statement i think you kind of like encapsulated everything that i've like that like was trying to get on the right page and this ended up being sort of like a, like, a, like a pride month episode in a way but like it wasn't the intention it was more mostly like i want to get them on the show to talk about this because we are mostly queer hosted here and i wanted to make an impact in a big way so like i definitely feel like we made an impact i really appreciate you being here for that no worries thanks for having me glad to make the little ripples yes but so did like well, like we we definitely appreciate you folks for listening and we will catch you folks star side peace out <laughs>